Hello and welcome to Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK, in which we explore what lies ahead for our cities and the people who live, move, work and play in them. I'm Emma Nelson and coming up in this episode... I'm optimistic about the future. I think technology could do great things to make cities even more livable. We can have a system that allows us to just put in point A and point B and for the technology to source all that information and provide a single ticket, it could significantly reduce our frustrations. My guests, two city experts and tech obsessives. From Arcadis, Sandeep Kapoor and the journalist James O'Malley. They'll tell us why an automated world will work for us as people, no matter how we feel about it. It makes you feel like you're not as free as you used to be to do things. Plus, we look at what the people who shape our cities need to do to make the future human. That's all to come on Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis. And a very warm welcome to the show. Joining me today... Sandeep Kapoor, I lead the innovation and growth for the business transformation team at Arcadis. I'm James O'Malley. I'm a technology journalist, uh, previously editor of Gizmodo UK, and I've written for a ton of other outlets as well. You can spend an average day in a city nowadays without talking to a soul. We shop, bank, manage and navigate our way through life simply by swiping a screen. And all this has happened in the last 10 years. But has technology made our cities a better place to live? Well, we asked a few commuters about how much technology helps them to survive. It can help like to reach a place quickly if you're walking around and you're not sure about where to go. You're now linked to having a mobile phone for everything you do and Google map to reach a place and then you're lost if you don't have it, right? And you lose a little bit your sense of direction. I can't actually find my way around the city without a iPhone to actually find out where I'm going little dependent I suppose but um, otherwise otherwise okay yeah. I just moved here from New Zealand and if I didn't have city map on my phone I wouldn't be able to get anywhere so highly dependent I suppose the more that you think about it it's a little bit concerning if my phone was to die I'd probably be a little bit stranded but it's life it's modern society I guess the acceptance of modern society there Sandeep we wouldn't really recognize the cities of a decade ago would we but what are the common elements to a city cities are about where humans come together I think where humans come to live, work, play, move and most of all thrive. Ever since the days of Socrates and Plato in the marketplace, cities have been an engine of innovation. And even if you look at the great prosperity of London, cities of today like Tokyo or Bangalore, they come from their ability to produce new thinking and bring that to life very quickly. Although it's true that cities also can concentrate societal problems, I actually also think they're the world's greatest laboratories for innovation and solutions. Now, this engine of innovation, Mm. James, has been driven very ferociously by technology in the last 10 years, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you put your mind back 10 years ago, it's almost like a different world. We were only at the start of the smartphone revolution. The iPhone came out in 2007, so a lot has changed since then because now the the smartphone is our primary way of interfacing with, uh, let alone the city, but the world. If you look at how just transport has changed, that's something I'm particularly nerdy about, but something like Uber couldn't have existed before this device existed. So even over the last 10 years, you can see all these sorts of transformations all enabled by the device which we now carry around and we don't really think about as being a new or dramatically impressive thing. But this is new, isn't it, Sandeep? I think every generation claims that it is on the cutting edge. So how huge a transformation are we witnessing right now? It's it's absolutely huge. Smartphones have become the keys to the city, 
Never before have we been able to provide instant information across every sector, transit, traffic, health, government, safety, entertainment, to everyone at an instant. And that is a transformative change in itself. In the last 50 years, actually what technology has done is automated standard processes. And so a really good example of that, I think, is in the maps and GPS field, where if you take the first type of maps that were digitised, actually they were just paper maps on a screen which you moved around. You now look at things like Waze, which actually has completely reimagined what a map is, and it's all completely centred around the passenger. This is important, mm. isn't it, James? Now the way that our cities function... Well, we actually control an awful lot of how our cities function day to day. And Sandeep was talking about Waze and Google Maps. Mm. It's in our hands now. Yeah, I I think the point uh, Sandeep was making about evolution maps is fascinating. The next step is going to be augmented reality in that using that same mapping data, but rather than have us look at a map, we're going to be able to hold up our phones or maybe one day in the not too distant future wear some sort of augmented reality glasses and and we'll be able to see arrows floating in front of us saying, oh no, no, it's down this street, go down this way. And then that'll be how we navigate. How safe is my information? There's two separate issues. So AI is a method of processing data and um, making predictions based upon uh, statistics, which are being increasingly used for all parts of our lives, whether it's uh, you know <laughs> Google Maps to uh, using a facial recognition system and stuff. The problem with AI is that it can replicate human biases. So, for example, if you've got a facial recognition system to try and spot criminals, if you feed in a bunch of mugshots of, of existing criminals to try and spot them, then that's going to replicate any racial or, or biases which exist, which um, ordinary humans are capable of. In terms of the actual data security issue, that's an equally challenging topic, which is going to be crucial to building the trust, which enables all this technology to be used in the future. Every day we hear news stories now about data breaches, about databases being stolen or our data being accidentally published online. And so we need to be completely paranoid, rationally paranoid about how it's going to be used. A really perfect example of this trade-off, I think, is Transport for London. They're going to be switching on a Wi-Fi tracking system on the London Underground. So this will be using Wi-Fi beacons in train stations to basically ping your mobile phone. So if your mobile phone has Wi-Fi switched on, it will make a log of where your phone has been spotted. And this data could be amazing for TfL because it will give them all sorts of insights into how people are actually travelling on their tube network. It's going to be brilliant. The one trade-off, though, with this is that TfL are going to be having to make a log of all of our mobile phone MAC addresses. These are the unique ID numbers that each phone has. And the problem with this is the tube is the entire nervous system of the capital city. So if you live in London, you can't avoid travelling on the tube. And it's, do we want to hand TfL the power to log where everyone goes? I'm pretty okay with it. I don't think I'd do anything too controversial to worry about. But that's a really bad argument from which to build a privacy policy from, <laughs> I guess. And Sandeep, working with both the private and the public sector at Arcadis, how much is this being addressed seriously? Should we be as paranoid as James suggests? It's a really fascinating topic where a lot of attention is being focused. I'd rather use the words professionally sceptical than <laughs> rationally paranoid, but I take the point. I think what we really need to do is shape regulation to standardise that, to create a light form of regulation, not overly onerous that we lose the benefit of the technology in the first point because that's a real risk as well. I think the important point here is that we standardise and create codes of practice around data in order to address the absolutely rational and right worries of the public. How serious are the people that you deal with in terms of embracing any kind of regulation? I think they're absolutely serious. The difficulty 
possibly is that technology is moving so fast and the, the, the pace of change is very difficult for organisations, including government, to catch up with. It, it shouldn't be left to one type of organisation to address these on their own. And I think we can all get together and help. You're listening to Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. I'm Emma Nelson and with me in the studio are Arcadis Sandeep Kapoor and the tech journalist James O'Malley. So Sandeep and James, we've talked about the fact that AI is absolutely everywhere, but what kind of city does all this tech turn us into as people? If I want to go somewhere now, I don't look at any of the buildings, I look down at my screen. And if I want to contact someone, I don't actually talk to them. I either send them a message or I get in touch with them via an app. How does that psychologically change the makeup of a city, Sandeep? The real danger around the smart city or the the tech city of the future is actually it's tech-led. And that's not the answer to improving quality of life in a city, which is what Arcadis' mission is. I think it's all about understanding the pain points of citizens or the desires of citizens and aligning tech solutions around that and using tech to solve those problems. If you do that, I think we can create a city that has huge amounts of opportunity as a consequence of tech. So using that in the right way, which is solving human problems and desires, I think could be hugely powerful and create lots of benefit in environmental, social cohesion, cost of living prevent crime, citizen engagement, all of those things. The words that Sandeep was just using there, Mm. James, things like pain and desire. As a tech journalist, (laughs) how often do you use that in your vocabulary? (laughs) Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, once said he doesn't know what people will want in the future, but he knows that they're going to want things to be cheaper and they're going to want them quicker. So regardless of what the actual technological solution is, whether it's drones or vans or whatever, he knows that Amazon's ultimate goal are those two things. And in the same way, I think we can think about cities and the problems they face and those challenges in those sorts of ways we know what the goal is and it's then sort of figuring out the best route to do that all this technology we we talk about the, the great potential for it for solving these problems it can be misused the one go-to example uh, i keep thinking of is to look at china and what it's building in what's called a social credit system the idea is each citizen will have a score which will be used to um sort of evaluate how good a citizen they are and the idea is eventually you know if you um walk, you could lose some of your social credit. If you uh, take the bins out, I guess, maybe you could gain some social credit. And it's just a way of sort of managing behaviour in this detailed and enumerated way. And I think that that has slightly terrifying potential. We're on the cusp of an awful lot of this with AI. Um, But how much is tech managing our behaviour already in a city? I think responding to our behaviour, understanding our behaviour and then providing solutions around that exists everywhere. Um, There's a lot of conversations around AI and health. Artificial intelligence can be used within the home, connecting your wearables like Fitbits in, in a smart toilet where it checks your urine to then determine as an early warning system, for example, if you're at risk of any condition or, or, or illness. I think that what you, what you just asked there actually is a really good example of where the regulation needs to be so we don't go into the space of using it to manage behaviour and rather use it as a way to address and understand human pain points and desires and manage the resources and the systems within the city around that to help use technology to address them in a positive way. 
You're listening to Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. I'm Emma Nelson. With me in the studio are Sandeep Kapoor and James O'Malley. Let's look at the public sector now. James, is there anyone designing tech with people in mind rather than the other way around where tech leads the way? Gov.uk, which is the government's sort of central website for doing things, they've redesigned how government works over the last decade or so, rather than starting from the point of, we've got this new technology called the internet and we've got mobile phones, let's just put all of our ministries and all of our departments on there. They're instead starting from a user-centred point of view and they're asking the question of what would a user want to know? How would they want to interact? If a citizen of Britain wants to renew their driving licence, they don't need to know whether they need to go to the driving licensing agency or the DVSA or the Ministry of Transport or whoever. They just know I want to renew my driving licence. And it's about then using the technology to build a service which sort of gets through all of that and goes in at the level of answering that question and doing that for all of the many, many different questions. In the snippets earlier, we heard a member of the public talk about CityMapper. Technically, that's all an aspect of what we call mobility as a service. Mobility as a service is exactly the same idea of user centricity around transport. So rather than us having to go on holiday and and order our taxi and understand the timings of a taxi, then schedule our flights at the right time and get the tickets. Then on the other side, understand what, what coaches are available and then get off the bus stop and then get a taxi back to the accommodation that we're staying at. Actually, what we really care about is getting from A to B. And we don't care about all the different tickets, all the different price points and scheduling that all ourselves. If we can have a system that allows us to just put in point A and point B and for the technology to source all that information and provide a single ticket, it could significantly reduce our frustrations. That Mm. requires the bringing together of lots and lots of different sectors. How possible do you think (laughs) that is, James? I think London, actually, is a really good example of how this sort of thing can be done. So to look at transport in particular, TFL, Transport for London, is a fully integrated organisation which has what they call unified ticketing. If you buy an Oyster card or you use your contactless debit card, you can use it on any mode of transport that TFL operates, which is wildly different from the rest of the country. Everywhere else in the country, in my experience, is absolutely rubbish. If you look at um, Manchester, they're trying it, but even then, because they've got different op- Operators and there's no unified body overseeing things with the authority to force these sorts of integrations. It's all a bit of a mess. Every other city or place I've been to in Britain and have tried to catch a bus, it's just been a nightmare because it's involved having to figure out which private operator is operating the bus, which app do I need, how do I do the payment. Whereas in London, if you've got a contactless debit card in your pocket, you just tap it against the ticket barrier at the train station and it just works. But that's only possible, not because of the technology behind it. It's the the boring stuff, the politics and the governance and the organisation behind making it all happen that needs to be brought into line. So tell us a little bit more about how Arcadis can harness these different bodies, the private sector, government, local authorities, and actually bring them together to make things function a little bit better for us, Sandeep. I genuinely think that's one of the roles of a consultancy and a consultancy like ourselves, Arcadis. The important point is why are we doing that? And the why we're doing that is actually to create a sense of collaboration and an ecosystem that can focus on the holistic problem, which is what the end user sees. They don't see just a problem in government and a regulation. They don't just see a problem in transport. They don't just see a problem in health. They see it across all of these different services and sectors. And where Arcadis can play a role in that is help facilitate and coordinate those organisations, first to understand the problem itself, 
Secondly, to integrate and get the thinking together to help best address the problem using the skill sets and capabilities of different organisations. I genuinely think we're moving to a mode of business that's actually much more about collaboration than just competition for the sake of it. And if you go to the right organisation with the right vision and the right mission, I think actually you can harness the power of technology in different sectors to address people's problems. Would you agree that we're now moving towards collaboration as opposed to competition? Yeah, it certainly seems that this approach is is taking on. I attacked Manchester a few moments ago, but they are trying their best. Recently, with the numerality, they've established Transport for Greater Manchester, which is aiming to do this sort of thing. So there does seem to be trends in that direction, especially as people recognise that cities are unique. They face specific challenges. The whole point of a city is that we need to learn to live together. So I guess the collaboration is a natural extension of that. Look into your crystal ball. Ten years ahead of here we've got people working collaboratively or do we still have well i don't know what do we have i never like to put my stake in the ground from 10 years from now because we don't know what will happen if we ask problems or desires of the end user and then work out how technology can address that i think that's a great principle secondly if we can allow organizations to collaborate and not compete i'll give you a really just quick example of bringing that to life so arcadis are currently one of 11 consortium partners in an organisation called Omnicav, which is actually using artificial intelligence to create a virtual test facility for connected and autonomous vehicles. And that's a great example where organisations cross-sector are coming together in order to address a problem around safety, which is the end user worry of a new technology, which is autonomous vehicles. James, your final thoughts on all this? I'm optimistic about the future. I think technology could do great things to make cities even more livable. We all get on the tube and get annoyed when it's all full. We all you know, get frustrated when things don't work as they should do. But ultimately, we've all got to learn to live together in, in cities, especially as the world is increasingly urbanising. And technology can do that. But at the same time, we do need to worry about uh, the sort of privacy side of things. Uh, But broadly, I think I'm optimistic. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Sandeep Kapoor and James O'Malley, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. And if you enjoyed that, then still to come, we'll be looking at the future of work. We'll examine whether the world is ready for the driverless car and much more besides. So make sure you subscribe. And you'll find our podcasts popping up every month at arcadis.com slash UK, where there'll be lots of extras too, all to do with the future of our cities. You've been with Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. I'm Emma Nelson. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 